Since 1965, the ACEC Life Health Trust has provided innovative health care benefits and services to ACEC member firms. We offer a variety of benefits to meet the unique needs of your firm, including fully insured, level funded, stop loss, and ancillary products. Visit our website at aceclifehealthtrust.com to learn more about our affordable employee benefit options for ACEC member firms, backed by the financial strength of the ACEC Life Health Trust. And welcome to the Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. My name is Diana Alexander, and I'm the Director of Private Market Resources with ACEC. Today and in the months ahead, we we will be providing one-on-one interviews with industry experts who will provide market-specific insights, trends, and an economic outlook for our private markets. Today, we are featuring Aaron Jodka, Director of Research for U.S. Capital Markets with Colliers in Boston, Massachusetts. For those that are not familiar, Colliers is a professional services and investment management company focused on commercial real estate's various sectors, including healthcare and life sciences, which is what we are going to discuss today. Aaron is co-author of the Collier's Quarterly Life Sciences Report for 2022, and he provides a unique perspective on market dynamics across asset types, as well as investment strategies that provide clients with tailored data and analytics to ultimately guide decision-making solutions. When not working, Aaron can be found coaching his children for extracurricular sports like lacrosse. Aaron, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Diana. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. So for our members listening, the reason we're talking to Aaron today is because he recently joined us on our private market series tour, where our members have had the opportunity to learn and network with potential clients and peers in regard to a specific private market. Uh, This past April, ACEC traveled to Boston to host its third private symposium in its series. This one featured the healthcare and life science and technology market, where design and construction spending was estimated to be around $51 billion for 2020 according to FMI. Uh, This number is up from previous years and projected to be one of the five fastest growing markets. Uh, The potential for growth provides opportunities for our members, and we chose Boston because it is the epicenter for healthcare and science and technology. Uh, For those that already participate in this market, you already know uh, that it's previously been coined as a recession-proof market, and this can include hospitals, outpatient centers, medical office buildings, as well as laboratory and production, uh, administrative space for pharmaceutical and biotech and university clients, and members that offer specialized needs related to mechanical, electrical, HVAC, and commissioning should be watching this market. So if you're here, this podcast is for you. Now, when I first called Aaron to join me to recap what we discussed at our symposium in Boston and provide an update for our members, he said, well, some things have changed. (laughs) So in this very volatile market, my first question for Aaron is, what was the overall market outlook in the life science sector when we met in April? And how has it changed? And what does it look like going forward? Well, in April, we were coming off of an absolutely astounding 2021 with record venture capital funding, tremendous NIH funding, job growth, IPO activity off the charts, tremendous investment just across the entire life sciences world and universe. Today, we've faced some different economic challenges. Interest rates are up. The economy is slowing. 
the stock performance, uh, not just of, of life science and biotechnology companies, but the broad stock markets have, have fallen. So we're seeing less overall activity in the life sciences space today than we were in April and coming off of that just absolutely amazing 2021. Um, to really put 2021 into perspective, we'd never seen anything like it. Um, that it was a phenomenal year and will be really hard to get back to those levels again in the near future. Awesome. So when we chatted beforehand, you know, it kind of looked like and sounded like there'd be a little bit of a dip or a slowdown. Uh, how long do you foresee this lasting? So it's going to depend on the type of industry and, and company within that broader life science industry. So these big pharma companies, they're sitting on mountains of cash. So they're going to be potentially uh, on, on the, the, the hunt for mergers and acquisitions. What technologies can they find? What new therapeutics are they able to put into their portfolios and essentially grab these companies in, in terms of finding ways to build their next pipeline? Uh, they're going to be on the hunt for that. Now, a company that's in early stage or mid stage, it's, it's, it's expanding and it's in, in, a, in a growth trajectory. Um, they're in an environment where they are more in a cash reserve situation because that next round of funding is perhaps a little less certain than it was 12 months ago, 18 months ago. So we're seeing these sort of different uh, balances depending on where one sits in the larger capital structure. All right. So you mentioned staffing. You know, are you seeing hiring numbers on the rise? Are people being a little bit more strategic and holding back? What does that look like in the market? There is a dearth of talent in the life science world. We cannot find enough qualified employees. So they're trying to recruit. They're trying to hire. Uh, so that hasn't really slowed down. Uh, the challenge is that we're just we just need more of these well-educated professionals uh, to to lead the science. Um, now, when you think of life science as a broader industry, we have a wide array of skill sets that can contribute to life science, whether that's the PhD doctor who's trying to cure cancer, um, all the way down to biomanufacturing, uh, production along the line. You, you can find folks with advanced degrees and those that do not need advanced degrees. Um, so it is a broader industry than I think some people think about, but it's those really high skilled, um, well-educated PhD level uh, employees that are really in high demand today. Okay. I, I heard something you said there about funding. And one thing at ACEC is we have these industry briefs and in our healthcare and science and technology, we track uh, the venture capital and the NIH funding. Uh, and one thing our members find valuable is to see where the flow of the money is going. Can you shine any light on any certain geographic areas that you see getting the surges of this capital that our members should know about? So Boston and the Bay Area stand out as numbers one and two. Um, and, and there's a really big gap between two and three. Um, about 60% of all life science, biotechnology type of venture capital in 2021 was in those two markets. So they are the dominant players. Um, after that, New York City and San Diego are, are um, tied uh, for that next spot, um, and, which is interesting because San Diego is a massive market, uh, one of the larger, uh, more established markets in the country. And then 
New York is pretty small. It's growing quickly, but when you think of the scale of New York City, it's enormous, right? It's it's the largest mm-hmm. office market in the entire country. Huge job base, huge population reach. Um, so that's a market that's up and coming that we're going to continue to see strong venture capital funding, which suggests growth within that marketplace. So one interesting thing you just said there, you know, and you covered in your presentation in Boston is we know about Boston and Northern California. We know that these are these markets, but what if we have firms that are looking to expand into a new geographic region? You know, you kind of touched on employment and funding between the VC and the NIH, um, but what about, I, I don't know, You, I think you also report on inventory. What other geographic areas can I look to um, certain state, city and states that maybe haven't been hot but are trending upward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it comes down to where you're looking. Are you going for the existing uh, base of inventory? So that's the Bay Area, that's Boston. Uh, Those are, again, those two largest markets. And then you've got Philadelphia, San Diego, New Jersey, and that next tier. And then Raleigh-Durham sort of in a tier by itself. And then from there, it, it tends to scale down. Places like suburban Maryland, Orange County, Seattle. But we're seeing tremendous growth in major cities like Chicago and New York. Uh, these are small markets today, you know, five, six million square feet of total inventory, but they have such an enormous reach when it comes to a labor pool, when it comes to population needs, etc., that you could see some real growth. Conversion activity, inventory that's available to make into the next generation of, of office, which in a lot of cases is looking to be uh, lab and life science R&D type of properties. It's a really good alternative use for these assets in, in the second generation or next generation of its life. But throughout there, we also have other markets like Denver and Boulder. They're growing rapidly, really strong marketplace there. Pittsburgh, we're seeing activity in St. Louis, um, Columbus, Ohio, New Haven, Connecticut. There's a number of markets throughout the country, places in Florida. So this is an, an industry that's emerging and spreading across the United States. So it comes down to, do you want growth, so small market that could grow really quickly on a percentage basis? Or are you looking for that safety? And a place like Boston really stands out. Um, and this isn't me just sitting in Boston saying that Boston's the best market in, in, in the world for it. There's a reason that so much activity is, is focused here, whether that's venture capital, investment capital from the asset acquisition standpoint. Um, there's a pipeline here that will expand the market dramatically to a stage where certain submarkets will be bigger than those markets I just spoke about. So really, from the activity standpoint, you should be in Boston. <laughs> right. And, and the universities, I mean, the knowledge, that worker pipeline that they have through all of those schools. Uh, that's why I found Pittsburgh of interest because of all the young people moving there and the universities and those demographic mm-hmm. rates. And that, that connection is just so, uh, so interesting. Um, I also wanted to ask you about the energy transition. So we talked about opportunities, but I, I wanted to look at challenges too. So tell me your thoughts about how the energy transition is affecting the life science market. Yeah, so typically life science is a fairly heavy energy user because you have more systems in place to move air, get additional power, um, etc. 
and engineers are finding ways, architects are finding ways to create that next level of, of property. So we're seeing ground up development that is LEED certified, that's meeting these ESG standards that are set in a number of different communities. And places like Boston and the Bay Area, New York, are some of the global or national leaders anyway, perhaps not global, where we're still catching up to, to Europe in particular. Um, when it comes to ESG, energy efficiency, um, overall carbon um, use. So these spaces can meet those goals, um, but there's a long way to go. Um, and, and that's not just in life science, that's in commercial real estate as a whole. Um, we're an industry that uses power and uses a lot of space and uh, carbons and, and, and output. And we need to find ways to reduce that. Um, and as an industry, we're looking to do so. Um, so it'll be exciting to watch that evolve. Um, when you look at life science, particularly from an ESG standpoint, um, you know, the environmental, social, and governance, the social is really easy, right? They're trying to solve problems that no one else has solved before, uh, which inherently makes it a riskier industry because you're trying to do something no one has ever done before. Um, the environmental is coming along and then the governance is clear. A lot of these are publicly traded companies. Um, so life science as a broad industry really checks that ESG box, which is a huge focal point of investors locally, domestically, uh, nationally, as well as across the globe. Great information, Aaron. ESG has become uh, very important for members of all firm sizes here at ACEC, for sure, sure uh, as it comes down the supply chain. Um, so I, I had, I think, one more question here for you, at, and this might be a little off the cuff, but the office to lab conversions, what does what the current data tell you about that trend and where is it going? It's it's an enormous opportunity for, for markets across the country. We're seeing a lot of that activity in the greater Boston market, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, um, over in, in San Diego, Philadelphia, etc. But also these emerging markets in, in New York, as well as Chicago, we're seeing some uh, conversion activity, ground up activity as well. But um, conversion is really an interesting and intriguing opportunity for many, many markets. Think of these dense urban cities, New York, Chicago. You're not putting a lab 50 stories in the air, right? We're not quite there yet. But lower portions of buildings that might be a little bit wider where you can start to add some additional systems and ventilation, they have the floor loads to meet the floor heights that are necessary for this type of research are ripe for redevelopment and really good opportunities. And as you look across different markets, you're gonna see various vacancy rates. Um, some places, there's really good chance to uh, convert these spaces into a second life. Um, other markets, it's really tight vacancy and it's hard to do that. So you've got a life science um, investor competing with, uh, with others. So you have this push and pull. Um, but today, rents are higher in the life science world triple net rents, they're usually the group that can pay the most for a space, for a building, for land in order to get that next level. Um, and with additional architecture and engineering skill sets, we're finding ways to convert buildings that we wouldn't have been able to convert five, 10 years ago. They would not have been looked to as viable candidates. They are today. And tenants are they like these spaces. They're good locations. They meet their needs. And a lot of these retrofits are very similar to a purpose-built building. They're not exactly the same, but um, in markets where there's a dearth of space, which in many markets, that's pretty much everywhere today, there really isn't a lot of vacancy. You need space. So whether that's ground up or that's conversion, the market is, is demanding new space. 
Gotcha. Now, are there any other tidbits or nuggets or a trend or something else we can leave for our members that maybe we haven't covered uh, that you can offer them? So the there's been a lot of news that life sciences faces some challenges, and um, this is normal. This is cyclical. These things happen. Uh, I mentioned earlier that these companies are trying to solve problems that no one has solved before. So inherently, there's risk. There's volatility here. Um, but at the end of the day, we created vaccines for COVID in record amounts of time. We've used we're going to use those technologies to solve other challenges. And there's a lot of really promising science across the board here. Um, this is going to grow, and we're going to see this market come back. So I am in the it's a lull camp, mm-hmm. not some type of long cycle uh, downswing. It, it, it will not be. Um, these are, are viable companies and, and there's going to be some tremendous opportunities for investors, for builders, as well as big pharma to, to gobble up some of these companies. Great. Thank you very much for this update. So that is about all the time we have for today. Uh, but before we sign off, I did want to mention for our listeners uh, that we are currently planning uh, one last stop for our 2022 private symposium tour. Uh, we are looking to focus solely on the energy market this time. And we'll be traveling to Houston, Texas, the third week of November before Thanksgiving. Uh, it'll be about a half day from about 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And we're looking to hold it near I-10 and what is referred to as the Energy Corridor in Houston. Uh, We will have industry experts, just like Aaron, there to discuss the overall economic landscape for the energy market uh, on a national level, as well as into oil and gas, since we will, in fact, be in Houston, Uh, followed by a deeper dive into topics including ESG, which we just talked about, carbon capture, hydrogen, the grid, electric vehicles, and renewables, both solar and wind. Uh, So we're still finalizing details. Uh, If you are interested, we'll provide a link to the event page in the show notes, uh, or you can subscribe to the private market industry briefs and you'll be notified when registration opens. So again, thank you, Aaron, for providing your market insight today. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you listeners for joining us on another Engineering Influence podcast from ACEC. Thank you and have a great day. Mm